Hello, my name's Tom Walker. Welcome to That'll Be The Day. In this podcast, we hear from a visually impaired woman from Ireland who has strong views on why there are still such high levels of public ignorance as far as visual impairment is concerned. But before we hear from Gillian Stafford, if you like the music at the start of this podcast, it's a track called That'll Be The Day by the Liverpool band The Vow. And as always, I'll be featuring a track by the band at the end of this podcast. To find out which one it is, stay tuned. Now, she's been accused of faking her visual impairment because she doesn't have a guide dog and because she's had the temerity to use a magnification option on her smartphone. But Gillian Stafford, who lives in County Neath, some 28 miles from Dublin, remains undeterred, raising awareness of the challenges blind and partially sighted people face and tackling the employment gap are just two of Gillian's priorities. When I spoke to Gillian a couple of weeks ago, I started by asking her how things are with the pandemic. Uh, it's bad here again in Ireland. The numbers are going really high um, again and our government haven't, are slowly bringing restrictions in. So we're just waiting to see whether we'll be in the lockdown now before Christmas or not because our hospital numbers and our ICU beds are, are very low. So we're just waiting to see what's going to happen. So tell me, if you would, Gillian, just about your current circumstances, if you don't mind. Tell me about what you do and what you're hoping to do. Um, so I graduated last year with a master's in social policy and human rights and I have been looking for work in advocacy work but unfortunately with COVID there's not many jobs out there at the moment. So I'm currently doing a course in um, advocacy policy and I'm also um, an ambassador for two organisations as well helping with getting the voice of people with disabilities and their rights and working especially for people who don't have a voice and are afraid to speak up about their disabilities and um, what they need to help them to get through education and work. So your aim would be to become an advocate for disabled people, would it? Yeah, so my my dream would be to work in an area of, in for people with visual impairments and blindness. Um, I got a lot of support from a charity and I wouldn't be where I am without their support. So I would like to give back and show other people with vision impairment and blindness that it is possible to go and do education or and go and work. So it, that's my dream is to use my voice to help them to get out into the world. What are services like for blind and partially sighted people in the Republic? Um, it, it depends on on how you see it. Some people think it's great. Um, at the moment now with COVID, it's not like... You could be waiting six to months to a year to see get an assessment for visual impairment because just with COVID things have have kind of gone into a lockdown and things are only opening up again. Um, there is one organisation that I'm with that have have really come into their own during COVID and they have set up um, coffee mornings and mindfulness and uh, support groups and the technology club. So. Things like that we would be lost without, but it's very hard to get an assessment because we just don't have the staff working in the areas. We need more staff to be working. And what about employment for visually impaired people in the Republic, uh, Gillian? What are the opportunities like for us um, uh, over there? Um, it's very hard to get into work. Um, if you get in, you're very, very lucky, but our, we're very low. I think it's something like 9 or 10% of visually impaired people work. Um, at the moment but the problem is is that we if you go for an interview and you get your your if you're offered a position 
then the employer has to go and look for a grant from the government to get the equipment that you need. And what's happening now that I, myself, and a few other people I know, when we get the offer of a job, then the employer has to start going and applying for grants. And they go, well, no, actually, it's too hard for us. We'd rather take the person who has full sight because they can start the job straight away. Where with them having to apply for a grant could take up to six months. And that's six months that they don't have somebody in that role. So a lot of the times you're not offered the position because the employer says, oh, it's too hard for me to go and get that grant or I don't have the time to apply for it. So In the UK, we have a scheme called Access to Work, which sounds similar to the scheme you have in the Republic. And again, uh, I know of visually impaired people who've lost work, lost offers of jobs because it's just taken too long. Do you know of people in, in the Republic that that's happened to? Yeah, like it happened to me last year during COVID. I went for um, a six months, a six months like it, it's a service called WAM here in Ireland. And when you're a graduate, you comply if you have a disability. And I got to the last stage. And then the reason I got for not getting the job was that it, it's only a six month contract with a view to permanent, but it'll take me too long to get your grant. So I'm giving it to someone else who can start straight away. What are attitudes in Ireland like towards blind and partially sighted people, particularly in relation to employment? Is the expectation that you would work or that, no, you don't really have to? It depends on who you talk to. Some people think that it's great if, if they see you at work and if you have a vision impairment or you're blind. And then you have the other people saying that we're too lazy, that we're not looking for work, that we get our disability payment here and we don't want to work, that we're just being lazy and we want to sit at home and we don't want to do anything. And that's far from the truth. Now, I know maybe one or two might think that way. But I know for me and talking to other people that I've been chatting to over the last couple of months that we want to go out and work, even if it's only for a couple of hours a day. We want to be out in the workforce. We want to show our, our abilities and what we can do. And sometimes I don't think people see our ability. They just see our disability. And and they say, well, if she's a disability, what? why does she want to be in the workforce? She should be just at home. So. I think it's still a bit of that attitude of, well, if you have a disability, you're better off being at home. You're not, you don't need to be in the workplace. It probably won't surprise you, Gillian, to know that the figures are, well, similarly depressing in the UK. No, that doesn't surprise me. What was life like if you was a student? Did you get the help and support you needed at university? I got the support that I needed, but I had to do an awful lot of fighting and it, it stressed me out an awful lot and I got very frustrated. Um, when I started my degree, I was the first student to go into the college with my disability. So I was the first student to go in with some some vision, but I needed the support as if, support as if I was blind. So they didn't know how to deal with me. So a lot of the time I was having to fight for things. I was having to use my voice. I was having to explain myself all the time to my lecturers, to my tutors. And I found a lot of the times that if something wasn't right and I went to ask for something, they didn't understand what I needed. They were saying, well, this works for a blind student that we have. And I was like, I'm not in that category yet. I'm in, as I used to say, I'm in the between world. So I have vision, but I need the support so I can get on with my daily life. So I got a lot of support from my departments and my family. But if I didn't have that support in my family, I wouldn't have stuck out of college. I would have left halfway through first year. I like your description of the between world there. Could you tell me a bit about your eyesight? Because I imagine you have a small amount of use for what we call residual vision. 
That's right, yeah. I have um, about 30% central vision left and I have no peripheral vision left. Um, I also suffer with night blindness as well. And I also have a problem. I have um, retinitis pigmentosa. And one of my biggest challenge is that I have a problem with depth perception. So I can't go down escalators. I can't go down steep hills. Um, I can't see paths sometimes if it's really, really bright. So there are challenges that I have to take into account as well as the uh, the problems with not being able to read print and not being able to do certain things that I used to like to do. I understand the uh, depth perception issue um, very, very well, actually, I've got to say, because uh, I, most of the accidents I've had have involved have involved steps. Yeah, yeah, or um, not being able to see, like you're out walking and you're using your cane and you think you're putting it on a step and then actually there's another step in it. So you think, you know, there, it's like a narrow step and a, and a smaller step but you think that it's just one step and then you then I've had a fall because I don't see the second step. One of the issues I've experienced, and I wonder if it's the same for you, is that people don't understand that between world, as you so eloquently put it. Um, they think if you're visually impaired, you either have no sight or you're fully sighted and they don't get that in-between bit. Is that something you've experienced? Yeah, I've experienced it a lot now over the last couple of years, and especially when I was in college, because people would look at me because I still wear my glasses because I have have to wear them for the vision I've left. But people would say to me, well, you look normal, but you're using the cane. So why are you using the cane if you look normal? And I used to say, well, what does normal look to, like to you? Like People have different levels of, of that in between world. People have different levels of vision when they're losing their sight. And we may have 30%, 50%, but we need the cane to get us around safely. So I think a lot of people have presumed that if you have a cane or you have a guide dog, that you've no sight whatsoever. So if they see you walking around with it, walking around without your cane or you're on, the best one I got was I was on a bus a couple of weeks ago using my phone and I got on the bus with the cane and sat down and I was, I was reading something magnified on my phone. And the lady said to me, uh, you shouldn't be using your cane you got on this bus you were a fraud getting on this bus because you use your cane and you use your your travel pass but I said I have a visual impairment and they were like she was like no you're normal so why are you frauding the system so I think there's still a lot of that around that they're not they understand a guide dog and blindness but this visual impairment and the spectrum a lot of people still don't understand that at this moment in time. I've had similar experiences, Gillian, uh, here in Liverpool as well, although more recently they've been less frequent. Where do you think that ignorance stems from? What do you think the origins are of that? I think it's just that there's not enough education and awareness for public. So I think what it is is that a lot of, like, I know, like, my mom and dad's generation, didn't understand visual impairment. They don't understand the cane. And I think that then if you're living in a house where it's not talked about or they don't understand, and if that's passed down with different comments that are said within the house or with, with peers or with friends, then they go out and they see something happen and they don't understand that. So I think it's just that there's not enough awareness um, out there with the public or education that we may need to use cane, but we still have sight, and not everyone is has, not everyone is in the same bracket or in the same box. That we all have different levels of of visual impairments. 
in this country we have something called visual impairment awareness training um, often delivered unfortunately by fully sighted people which I don't think really helps the cause um, do you have anything similar or have you been involved in anything like that yourself I like NCBI which would be our our charge like our organization here in Ireland they would do mobility training with us and they would go into their workplace and that and do training but a lot of the times I would have to explain how to how to bring someone around with a visual impairment. Like when I was in college, I had to get up and give a talk in front of all my peers in my class and explain um, the way my my visual impairment affects me and what they needed to help me with. And it's an awful lot on the person who has a visual impairment. If you're a certain college or you're a certain workplace, you have to get up and talk in front of 50 or 60 people and explain how they need to help you around. And I think more needs to be done about the education within workplace or in colleges or schools that we do it. And I know when I was a map, I was an ambassador in college for disabilities, that we actually had a full day of people um, coming in and experience what it was like to be blind or visually impaired, like with the blindfolds, with the different glasses. And people were made more aware of the different levels of sight loss that people could have. And they did tasks that I would do on a normal day. And I found that helped a lot of people. I think a bit more needs, of that needs to be done within, within, the, within Ireland, that using the people who have the disability and bringing them into the schools and colleges and works and explaining how it affects different people. And I think that needs to be done more by the government. I totally agree with you. One of the things I do, um, but I only scratch the surface, to be honest, is work with um, children in mainstream schools explaining, you know, about my visual impairment and how it affects me. But as I say, I can only um, speak to an infinitesimally small percentage of people. And I think more of that needs to be done. Does anything like that happen in Ireland? Um, they do bits of it here in Ireland, but it's not as good as the UK. Um, you kind of say to you now there's a there's I'm doing a bit of work now at the moment around trying to get something set up but because of COVID we don't know will it be allowed to be set up or will it happen or will it be next year or the year after where we're trying to get a group of people together that will, will go into the schools and will talk to students and will be able to use the different glasses and the, show them different tasks and that but at the moment, it's in, it's been stopped because of COVID and we don't know when we're going to be allowed to actually set this up. So that's the other thing as well, is that sometimes we can have this training plan in place to go into schools or at colleges or workplaces. But then you go to the government and the government says, oh, no, we don't have the funding for that or that doesn't need to be done because we're doing it. We're paying someone to do that, but they don't have enough staff to be going in and doing it. They need to do their assessments so, up. I think a little bit more needs to be done with the government as well, giving a bit more funding to um, programmes like that. I'm just wondering whether you've come across this um, I'm just this scenario I'm going to describe to you, uh, Gillian. Um, I know of some totally blind people in this country who think that if you're in this in-between world, you've got some useful vision, that, well, really, you don't have any problems at all. Have you come across people like that? Yes, I have. I've come across people like that. And I've also come across people who think that about me. So they, they've they actually said, no, it's happened a good bit during COVID. Um, it was a little bit before, but it's happened a lot more during COVID. Um, that people think that you're faking 
a disability that you don't have this disability that you're trying to use it to get things that other people don't have and I don't think that's right either but I, I think that we go through an awful lot that um, it's it's like as if because you have this disability that you're in a box and you shouldn't be out of that box if that makes sense to you. It does I'd be very interested to know what you think about this as well I think in some respects for people like us we can find it more difficult in terms of public attitudes than totally blind people because most people think they at least understand what being totally blind is whereas they don't understand our situation I don't know what your thoughts would be on that yeah no I totally agree and I use I always say that if you have a guide dog, and this is one thing that annoys me, and I've been doing a bit of work during COVID with, with an organisation, and we, I did a video about this, that there's different spectrums of vision loss. And we're, we're li- like, it's hard enough losing your sight. Then if somebody comes up to you and says, no, it's, you're not actually, you're normal and you're not losing your sight. But then you could be out with somebody who, like, I was this was last year I was in town with my sister who has a guide dog and people were saying to her oh isn't it great that you're getting out and about we with your guide dog and isn't it great you have such an independent life and I was beside her using my cane and they were like but what are you using your cane for you look normal you're wearing glasses she don't need that and I'm like well actually I do need it for my safety and I know what I can and can't do and what I can't see so I think like even though we use a cane, it's not as much as a symbol as the guide dog. And I think mm-hmm. the guide dog is like the wheelchair. They see the guide dog, it means blindness. They see a cane and a lot of people don't know what the cane is for. And I think more needs to be done around showing the difference between people using the cane and a guide dog that somebody could have some sight and still have a guide dog that we're not always totally blind using that. So that I think a little bit of awareness around that needs to be done as well. The incident that persuaded me to carry a white cane, uh, Gillian, occurred about 30 years ago now, and I was uh, on a train station and kind of walking quite quickly down a set of steps, and a child, obviously, that I didn't see ran into me. Um, The parents went absolutely crazy, as I'm sure you can imagine, called me for everything. Um, And after that, I thought, well, if I'd had a white cane that would have answered a lot of questions. And maybe with my level of sight, I probably should have been carrying a white cane anyway. Uh, has anything like that happened to you? Have you had any funny incidents or or potentially dangerous incidents like the one I've just described? Um, yeah, I've had two. Um, one was that I was walking along a busy street and I, I didn't see in the middle of the path there was these bollards, you know, the way they come up for... So the cars can't go down and you have to, the bollards go down when the cars are driving through. Mm. And I didn't see them and it was busy and people were rushing towards me. And I went and I walked into these bollards and someone shouted to me, uh, are you stupid? Are you drunk? Are you stupid? Watch where you're going. And that was one. And then um, a couple of months ago, then I was using my cane and I didn't see an electric scooter coming and I, I nearly got hit, the cane nearly got hit and somebody came along and said to me, well, if you were watching where you were going, you would have seen that e-scooter. And I was like, sorry, I'm using the cane, I can't, I've low vision. And they're like, 
well, no, that low vision doesn't doesn't exist in Ireland. It's, it's blindness, and you where's your guide dog? So, you know, I think there's still a lot of education that needs to be done that people might mean well, but sometimes they come out with the, with the strangest things, and it kind of makes you start thinking about whether you're doing something wrong rather than them doing it wrong. No, it is completely irritating, isn't it, the ignorance? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I found, to be fair, that things have improved massively in Liverpool over the past sort of 10 or 15 years. I think when I first moved here in 1997, there was a lot of ignorance and uh, there'd be people saying, you're not blind and all this sort of stuff. Touch wood, um, that happens considerably less now. Um, but I've had the bollards incidents, by the way, as well, and fences and, and uh -huh. people, and particularly before I carried a white cane, people thinking I was drunk or, or, or I don't know, just a bit mad, you know. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can fully empathise with, with, with you um, on, on that. I, re I really can. So what does the future look like for you then, Gillian? What are you going to, what, what are your sort of future plans in terms of work? I know you're looking for employment, um, do you do voluntary work and things like that as well? I think you you do, don't you? I do, yeah. I do voluntary work at the moment. So, and I'm also an ambassador for um, an organisation called Fight Blindness, who help us um, with research and that around our conditions. So, I'm currently helping them out. I did a video there a couple of months ago around the spectrum of sight loss. So I do that, and then I'm also working with another organisation. I'm doing some training around advocacy work with them. And I'm going to be on a working group and um, do some mentoring with them for next year with the new uh, students that are coming on board. So I, I'm kind of, I find it hard not to do anything. And by my experience going to college and gaining the confidence to use my voice and talk about my disability, I want to go forward and use that in the future. So even though I'm not getting paid for the work I do, I'm still getting to use my skills and what I learned in college and what my education gave me. So I'm, I'm glad I'm doing that work, but I would eventually like to get into a paid role. Gillian, thanks very much indeed. OK to the music, which track have I chosen? Well, I suspect Gillian has had cause to say to quite a few people over the years, don't waste my time. And this is a vow with Don't Waste My Time. Cause it
time.